Welcome to Health Raisers. Health Raisers don't just survive, together we thrive. I'm your host, Dr. Nadine. Okay, Mandel, thank you so very much for being here. I have been so in awe since I met you of your curiosity, of your unending joy, your enthusiasm for learning, your ability to be okay with mistakes and not be a perfectionist. You are one of my curiosity superheroes. So I really thank you for being here. Yes, thank you, Nadine, for having me. And I actually like that name, Super uh, Curiosity Hero or Curiosity (laughs) Superhero. (laughs) So Mandel and I met in the Alt-MBA workshop where we were both new coaches for the first time. And I know you have also been a student as well as a coach in the Akimbo workshops as well. Um, And so it was lovely to be able to cross paths with you in the Alt-MBA. And that's where I got to interact with you every week and get to hear how you were coaching, the kinds of questions you were asking, and why coaching was so important to you. And just spending the time with you um, on those coaching calls got me more curious about you because I consider curiosity one of my own superpowers as well. So I um, really wanted to have a talk with you about that and just get to know you a little bit better. So Mendel, I know that one of the things that you and I talked about before is that you were not one for school. And to me, that was crazy because (laughs) you're so invested in learning. So can you talk about your fraught journey with education? Yeah, sure. So yeah, I wasn't I wasn't one for school. Uh, on topic, I was one for curiosity. And sometimes that curiosity got me in a lot of trouble. Uh, I vividly remember going to Catholic school and asking a lot of questions to the religion teacher because I grew <laughs> up in a Christian family in a Christian church and some things weren't syncing with what I was learning on Sundays at church and what I was learning in school. And so I would ask all these questions. And I had a lot of religion teachers that did not like that. They would actually call home and say, he's challenging me in front of the class. He's a class disturbance. And uh, it got to a point where my mom was just like, listen, you know, just try to <laughs> just try to, you know, be quiet and, and just take what they're saying. And if you don't agree or you don't understand, that's OK. Come back home and we'll talk about it. And I would sit there and say, like, my grandmother said, you know, my grandmother's a pastor. And I, my grandma said this. So I learned this <laughs> in Sunday school. And so but it was really curiosity. I, I was always in search of truth and wondering what the truth was. And so I would dig and dig and dig. Uh, but it did get me in a lot of trouble. And. You know, just thinking about school, I remember in second grade, I went to a Catholic school and I got kicked out uh, for bad behavior. And then I went to another school, I went to a Lutheran private school. And I remember the principal saying, wow, they kicked him out in second grade. He's so young. Mm -hmm. 
And then that same exact school, I got kicked out in fourth grade. <laughs> so it was like, they was like, oh, we know why he got kicked out. And so I went to a different school. Then in high school, I got kicked out. That was mostly for bad grades. And then I uh, went to a college and I got kicked out again for bad grades. So I'm used to being kicked out of schools like, you know, you're no longer welcomed here. And I also, I remember in sixth grade, my mom wanted to send me to a private uh, school by our house, uh, Mount St. Michael Academy, a pretty famous school. And you had to to take a test to get in. And you got a pretty, you got a score high. It's an all boys school. She wanted me to go to Focus. And she was really, you know, big on me getting into school. You know, I felt the pressure of this test and I, I scored horribly. And they were like, no, you know, he's he's not, he didn't score well enough to come to this school. And so I ended up going to a public school. And even when I got to college, my first year in college, I applied to a private school in Long Island. And uh, they saw my high school grades, which weren't great. And they said, all right, how about you take this test? Your grades aren't good. We'll, we'll give you a chance to take a test. And if you score high enough, we'll take you to the college. We'll accept you to the college. I mm-hmm. took the test. I didn't do good. So they said, you know what? It's better that you go to a community college for a while, prove that you could do college work and come back. And so I'm I'm just, you know, school, as we said earlier, school hasn't been kind to me or just me and school just haven't had the greatest relationship. But curiosity and learning uh, definitely has been always with me. I want to understand from you how it is that you didn't let I'm not I don't want to say failures there because they're they weren't failures, but I'm I'm struggling for the right word because I it is not failing, but not not following the path that was kind of expected or laid out for you. How did that not extinguish your curiosity and your love of learning? And when did you decide and when did you realize that, oh, I'm a learner. I'm not, and I and I want to understand and I am curious and I am smart no matter whatever what everybody else is telling me or, or no matter what these grades are saying. Yeah, I would definitely say uh, my faith growing up in church mm-hmm. and even in church, I was curious. So it's funny because in church, I got a lot of the feedback from uh, my Sunday school teachers that I got from my teachers at school. The only advantage is my grandmother was the pastor and it really wasn't like you can't kick a kid out of church anyway, especially not the pastor's <laughs> grandkid. <laughs> so, but they would tell my mom, I mean, and I didn't get any preferential treatment. They would tell my mom like, I mean, he's asking a lot of questions in Sunday school, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. like, it's almost not giving a space for the other children or it would be the flip side. Like he's answering everything because he knows so much because his grandma's a pastor and his mom's a Sunday school teacher. And so a lot of times I was like too advanced in terms of church and Sunday school for my age. And so once I had that, like, oh man, he's really advanced. He's not an average 10 year old in terms of what he knows about God and the Bible. I knew I was smart because it was, I always heard that even if it was just in that place, it was like, oh, okay. So I'm good with like the Bible and church stuff. <laughs> and then it comes into, oh, I'm good with sports. I could tell you every stat about the Lakers and the Bulls. And, you know, I, you know, I have interest in sports and athletes and 
different coaches. And I just know every single, and it's like, man, if you could remember all that, then you could remember the school stuff. And it's like, no, I don't want, I don't want to remember the school stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and so I just knew that I would, I was smart. And then uh, also growing up in a family where my family spoke so much life into me, like I had aunts and uncles that would just tell me like, man, you're special or you're, you're going to be something when you grow up or, mm, um, mm-hmm. My aunt would always say, you're a mighty man of valor. And she would say that when I was like a little kid. And I'm like, what does that even mean? That's lovely. Yeah. And so all those things I knew, like, even if it was in school, wasn't so great that I could still do something great. It was just about figuring out what and when and when it was all going to come together for me. Mandel, I love this. I love this direction. I'm thinking about your mom again. And as you were talking, I can almost picture the two of you in your house and and your relationship and how close you were. And it seems like she wasn't measuring you by external expectations. She was infusing confidence in you. And because you had your curiosity, and, and this is an assertion, tell me if I'm wrong, because you had your curiosity, it seems like you were able to forge a stronger relationship with her. Mm-hmm. Because as as you said in um, in a conversation we had before, you didn't feel when your mother passed, not that you didn't feel lost, but you felt like you had gained so much from her mm. up until you were 13 at the time. Yeah. Yep. That that helped you through your grief. Can you talk about that? Yeah. So I, I grew up a mama's boy, a mama's boy to the 10th power, like mm. extreme mama's boy. Probably if it continued, it probably would have been a, a, a negative. <laughs> uh, there were times where my dad was like, all right, you got to you got to relax. <laughs> Cuz it's like always with my mom laying on my mom, you know, she would be sitting there watching. She used to love this show called Touched by Angel and she would come home from work and she would watch it. And I would literally come in and sit like directly next to her like no space and she's like, "Man, it's just a three-person couch." She's like, "Move over." <laughs> and it, it was just like that's how I was. And even when I was really young, um, I don't know, two, three, I remember, you know, you would kiss your mom on the lips when you were that young. And then I got to a certain age and she was like, all right, you know, you're, you're pretty big now. We're going to, we got to cut, we got to cut that out. <laughs> and I was like, no way. We're not cutting that out. She's like, yeah, we are. <laughs> and my dad's like, yeah, you're cutting that out. And I, I literally cried and I was like upset and I didn't want to stop it. And, but we eventually did. But, you know, I was a mama's boy and we, we spent a lot of time together because my mom took me to school every day. Mm-hmm. My dad worked real early morning, so he was already out the house before we woke up. So my mom took us to school every day. So every single day I'm with my mom um, in the house getting ready and then on the train for at least an hour. I went to school sometimes in Harlem or you know somewhere else that there's just the commute was like an hour. So I was with her every day and we would just talk. Even when I went to school close in the neighborhood, we would walk to school. And so we were walking to school, we would just talk. And so I got to just ask her questions all the time. I remember one time we walked to school and I I don't know. Oh, I know what it was. So when I grew up, you know, I grew up in church, obviously, and there was a, a pastor, his name was Benny Hinn. He was pretty well known back in those days. I'm not not sure about now, but it was pretty no, well known. He had these shows on TV there about healing and things like that. And so one day I'm, we walk on this one. I'm like, mom, I saw, I saw this guy on TV. He prayed for this lady and she was healed. And then I said, how come such and such, I named someone, how come they can't be healed? And my, my, my mom was asking like, what, what did you see? And so I tell her, 
And she's like, well, sometimes she told me some story, like sometimes the, the experience or the lesson is, is not in being healed right away. Whatever she said, it was like, why is this kid asking me like these tough, <laughs> these tough questions? Because sometimes, honestly, she was just telling me, man, I don't know. I honestly do not know. You know, I have to look into that. I have to read it. And I started getting that a lot from from uh, teachers, especially in, in church. It's like he's asking questions. We don't even know. the <laughs> We don't even know the answer to. Mm-hmm. But just having that bond, knowing that uh, she was human, even as an adult, my mom, mm-hmm. she didn't have mm-hmm. all the answers and she was willing to tell me that. But she'll look into it and get back to me and have that conversation. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. you know, she guided me in so many ways and taught me so much things. That like like I said, when she passed away, I felt good enough and guided enough. I mean, even before we she passed, we had a conversation about what I would do with the rest of my life. And if you think about it, she passed at thirteen. It's like, how are we having that conversation now? I mm. just I just became mm-hmm. a teenager, and that was a conversation she brought up one day on the train. Like, hey, have you considered what are you going to do with the rest with the rest of your life? And I had zero clue. And mm. I told and I told her that I, I wanted to be a police officer. She said, police officer? She's like, I've never heard you even mention anything about a police officer. Why do you <laughs> want to be a police officer? And I had I had no idea. I was just like, oh, I don't know. They got guns. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and uh, she said, oh, you want, you want me to tell you what I think you should do? And I was like, yeah. She's like, oh, I think you'll be a great teacher. And I was like, teacher? Ugh. I was like, no. Because <laughs> I'm thinking about school and how much I don't like school. Yes. And I'm like, there is no way I'm going to be a teacher. And she's like, you would be a very good teacher for young adults. And I was like, mm. okay. <laughs> and that conversation just went. And, uh, you know, lo and behold, I've gotten that a million times over, you know, as I've, as I've grown up. And obviously now I understand that a teacher doesn't have to be the Board of Education. A teacher could mm. be, you know, many things. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like your mom was also somebody who made curiosity a verb in a practice. Mm-hmm. Definitely, for sure. And mm-hmm. I, I often wonder, like now, seeing how even more curious I've become, where it's not just like as a youngster, I'm asking a million questions. Now I ask them and then I go look myself. Like I just go buy the book or go to the seminar. Before it was just like asking and hoping someone would give me an answer. Now I'm, I'm in search for it. And mm-hmm. I'm curious how our lives would would be now, you know, if she was here and I, we got that curiosity. But she was definitely a, curi- a curious person. And I think you kind of have to be. She was a Sunday school teacher. She was a Bible study teacher. She wrote plays for our church and just like wrote plays out of thin air, it seems like. So there has to be some kind of curiosity there. She also was very good with computers. Um, you know, she did that professionally for work. And so all that stuff, you know, involves some kind of curiosity and learning. And so she was she was definitely good at those kind of things. You know, I feel like my personal journey with curiosity has gotten much better as I've gotten older. I feel like I was on definitely on the education track. And I wouldn't say that I was necessarily practicing curiosity. I was in survival mode where it's like, okay, this is what they're telling me to do in school. And this is what I need to do. I need to be a a great student so that I can get to the next step and and the next school and the next school and get the degrees. And I didn't really necessarily feel like there was room for asking a lot of questions. I felt more like I had to have the right answers. And I know this is a common feeling for people who are educated and walk a path. Like there's a right answer and there's a wrong answer. 
That did change a little bit when I was practicing medicine because it's not only a science, there's an art to practice too. And so maybe the curiosity that was kind of there that I wanted to express or I didn't think I could express started to surface. But only after I stopped practicing and I started my freelancing career and I started coaching in the akimbo workshops and and, and teaching my uh, yoga classes in ways that I wanted to be not what it looks like, meaning not in the studio and not only for the athletic and the agile. And that led me down this path of becoming a health coach and being more curious about the root cause, behaviors rather than symptoms. So, okay, so a person needs to lose weight. It's not about only, it's not only about what you're eating and what you're, how much you're exercising. It's your whole lifestyle. How much stress? How happy are you? Um, are you satisfied in your career? Um, you know, behave other behaviors. So, all that to say, my curiosity. I think became more of a practice and a verb for me later on in life. Whereas someone like you, I'm I'm so inspired by the fact that this has always been a way of life. And and in some ways, have you found it to be, and not in always, always in every setting, there's context, but have you found curiosity to give you freedom in some sense? Yeah, I would I would definitely say uh, free. One is it is just freedom to be myself because that's naturally just how I am, just curious. And then the freedom to learn and then do something with what I'm learning and and learning how I want to learn it mm-hmm. versus uh, this is the way you're going to learn it. So if I want to learn something right now, I don't have to go to school and say, oh, I'm going to go to school and learn how to do interior design. I could buy ten books and. And learn it. I could talk to Mm. 10 interior designers and learn, you know, that way. And I remember, you know, growing up in church, (laughs) always referencing church here, but I remember Mm -hmm. going to my church and, uh, you know, we'll have a guest preacher and they would have said something in their sermon that I didn't quite understand or had more questions about. And I would just walk up to them after church, like, hey, (laughs) when you said that, when you said that, like, what did you mean? And sometimes they'd be like, wow, like, man, this young guy just you know, walk right up to me and he was listening because clearly I had to listen to catch that. Mm-hmm. And they would they would explain themselves. But just that curiosity freed me to have conversations with people that I normally probably would have a conversation mm. with, you know, where if, if you talk about status, it's like, oh, this person's way up here. But if you're curious enough, you'll be surprised who would talk to you if you ask them the right question. Like, oh, Who's that asking me that question? Mm. It's like, oh, it's, it's that little kid. And it's like, oh, well, I'm, you know, at that point, there's no respected person because it's like, man, he was not only listening to me, but he's curious. He wants to learn more. So definitely curiosity is has been freeing for me. Mm, I love that. Do you consider it a conscious practice, being a curious person? I know you. it's definitely in in you. This It's part of your personality. But as you've gotten older, have you been able to identify practices that that allow you to keep keep the momentum up of being a curious person or or expanding that that muscle that superpower? Yeah, I would definitely agree. So curiosity is is just it's in me 
innately. Like literally, I'll be at work just talking to someone. And before you know it, I've asked 20 questions. And sometimes I'll catch myself like, wait, wait a minute, they just, they didn't stop for this. Or a coworker would tell me like, is this an interview? And I'm like, no, no, I'm just, and I literally say, no, no, I'm just, I'm just curious. Like sometimes they'll be scared. Like, are you writing a book or are you investigating? I'm like, no, 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 I'm just, just curious. I'm not using this information for anything, but just learning. And some people would be shocked, you know, if I say like, you know, hey, how many children do you have? Or And they're just like, whoa. But as I've gotten older and grown in maturity and, and in curiosity, there's moments where I might in the past have jumped at something or made a judgment about something where now mm-hmm. I could be, where now I could just be curious. I can apply mm. the curiosity that I have to something mm. else. So if you say, even if it's something that can't be proven, like a debate, who's the best rapper of all time? I would have five years ago, 10 years ago, to be like, Jay-Z, and there's no other answer to it. Mm-hmm. But now I'll be like, hmm, I wonder why they think Big Daddy Kane is. I wonder if it's the the generation they grew up in. I wonder if it's because they grew up in Brooklyn. Mm. I wonder if it's like, I'll have all these stories in my head like that would make me more curious. Or even if it's just something that I don't agree with, you know? Oh, should we, uh, should marijuana be legal? 10 years ago, growing up in a Christian church, I might've been like, no way, you're going to hell if you smoke that. And now I'm like, Hmm. I wonder if there could be some health benefits to this. I wonder if, uh, you know, the fact that it grow for the earth, it was me- God meant it for us to have it in moderation or, or whatever. Like, I'll just be curious and ask questions about uh, things that in the past I would have just jumped at. And now I could be just curious before I pass judgment. And sometimes I use that curiosity when I'm speaking with others and I feel like they're jumping to a conclusion. So if we're in a work setting and, you know, a manager jumps out and says, you know, he's always late, you know, something, something. I might say, hmm, I wonder if it's because he has four children and they're always like, I'll just make up some curious story to make you think like, hmm, might be something at the bottom of their behavior. How is that generally received when you do that with other people? So some people say, you know, Mandel, you always, you always <laughs> thinking with the glass half full. Like I get that a lot. Like you always got a positive spin on something. I'm like, no, I'm not saying I'm just, I, I just put it out there. And then sometimes it's like, no, I know that person. And I'm just like, all right, <laughs> I just leave it. I just leave it. But I always just try to, you know, cause you never really know. And that's what curiosity is. A lot of times it's, oh, we don't really know. We're trying to figure it out, you know? So I ask questions. Hey, why were you late today? <laughs> Do you purposely practice then as a curious person tr- not surrounding yourself in an echo chamber like-minded people only? Do you seek out people who don't look like you, think like you, talk like you, come from the same place? Yeah, absolutely. That's one of the reasons I love to travel so much is because I get to immerse myself in different cultures and different music and you know, I, I share with you in our group that I went to a Burner Boy concert recently and I don't know any Afrobeat songs and <laughs> I didn't I didn't even really know who Burner Boy was. I confused him with someone else before. And I was like, you know what? I'm gonna go to this concert and we're gonna just we're gonna we're gonna see. And even traveling to Africa, you know, traveling to Ghana, you know, a country uh, you know, on the other side of the world where I mean English is heavily spoken there, but they have languages outside of English that are heavily spoken Mm -hmm. as well, where the food is different, where school, where everything is just so different. And I'll just go there for two weeks and immerse myself in that culture, eating with your hands. You know, when I grew Mm -hmm. up, that was Mm -hmm. like 
don't eat with your hands. What are you, a monkey? Mm. And now it's and now it's like, no, eat with your hands. Like this is how you're gonna get the best experience. And so I purposely in in any country, you know, I've been to Cuba, a bunch of countries I've been fortunate to go to. I purposely seek it out and then I purposely ask a ton of questions. So I, you know, in Ghana, whenever I go, I don't drive. So I get to sit in a passenger seat and just ask a million questions to the driver. Hey, what's that? Why is that like that? What's the government mm-hmm. like? And I mean, we'll just literally go on for hours and it'll just be a whole educational journey. And you get to learn so much about other people and other cultures. So I, I definitely seek it out and on purpose. <laughs> okay. So how about how do you deal with the discomfort? Because uncertainty and opening yourself up to a situation where you don't know your surroundings or you don't really know the person you're talking to, or maybe the subject is an uncomfortable subject to to discuss. How do you deal with the discomfort of that? Yeah, for subjects, definitely. So one thing that I am uncomfortable about is when I go to certain countries and I ask certain questions that I'm not 100% sure what they mean to the people. So like when I go to Ghana and I and I say, hey, what do you think about Kwame Nkrumah, who was the first uh, Ghanaian president when they became you know, independent? Mm-hmm. And depending on the generation you speak to, they love him. He's the greatest president ever. Mm-hmm. Other generations, not so much. So I'm, I'm always like, you know, should I ask this question? Because I don't, you know, this might, this might go left. Uh-huh. So sometimes what I'll do is I'll just, I'll just say it. I'm curious about this person, and I'll just leave the space and see, you know, where they go, what they're going to say, or I'll say, hey, is it okay if I ask you about this topic? And sometimes they go, yeah, ask me anything. And I'm like, all right, <laughs> you know, you, <laughs> you gave you me the unleash the beast. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> like you gave me the green light. I'm going to ask you anything. Uh, but sometimes in cultures that I'm not grading, like when I went to Dubai, I had some hesitancy. Like, you know, I don't know a lot, you know, their their beliefs with women and everything was different. And so, but I, I do ask, like, I remember when we went to mosque, I would ask like the cab driver, hey, am I allowed to wear this or should I wear this? And like, oh, yeah, yeah, don't worry. Just take your shoes off. So things like that. But yeah, there is some uncomfort sometimes. Uh, but thankfully, I haven't had any, you know, you know, bad situations and everyone's been so, you know, open to me and oftentimes they like credit it they're like wow you you really want to learn about this don't you and i'm mm-hmm. like like yeah i do mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. it's been it's been all good but i i have had times where i'm like no maybe i shouldn't ask that question or maybe not now maybe it's too early you know in our conversation maybe they have to see more or different things like that um but so far so good thankfully <laughs> all right curious superhuman why don't you ask me a question <laughs> yeah so i want to know the connection that world or where does music come in because literally as we're talking there's a drum set mm-hmm. behind you and as you know i used to play the drums as well so i wonder how did music come in you know you're a doctor uh, you do freelance work you coach you do yoga it's like and music they're kind of different so i'm just curious about the music how that comes in well that's part of the late life curiosity thing Practicing medicine and being on that path was didn't leave a lot of time for anything else. I mean, I barely had time for my family, which was problematic. But when I started to transition out because it wasn't a good fit, that's when I started discovering things that made me feel like myself, that I 
was curious about and I didn't necessarily understand because I had never considered myself a creative person. One of the first forays into curiosity for me was taking a yoga class with my mother because Mm. she was a cancer survivor, Mm. is a cancer survivor. Mm. And she needed a practice that was gentle so she could heal. And she also needed a space where she didn't have to talk about her pain, where she could just express it physically, do the breathing. My mom was just not a, at that time there was why me was the big Mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. And she's like, no, I'm not going to sit in a group. I don't want to do that. It just doesn't feel comfortable. So we went to yoga together and she's still a yoga practitioner. And Mm -hmm. that lit for me the the pathway of this is how I want to help people. This is a way for me to serve and help people stay healthy instead of the sickness model and healthcare that was partly burning me out. And then from there, I, my youngest daughter, the curious one, I don't know why she wanted to do it, but she wanted to take karate. So we were like, okay, let's go find you some karate. <laughs> karate led to Taekwondo. And the so she started, then my eldest daughter was drawn into it. And then they looked at me sitting in the chair. They said, you want to do some Taekwondo? And I was like, are you kidding me? I'm 36. I think I was 36 at that time. Yeah, 36. And I'm like, okay. Why not? Let let me give it a try. First class I took, I knew I was going to get my black belt. And I did. A little bit into that with the Taekwondo. So I'm now doing yoga and I'm doing the Taekwondo. There was a music shop across the street from the Dojang. And I would always kind of look at it, but you know, I'm thinking, you you see kids going in there. And my kids were taking lessons. I had taken piano as a kid. But it was like one of those things where, oh, you know how people are, your kids should take piano to be a good, you know, this is part of the education. I hated my piano lessons. (laughs) So I left that behind me when I was a teenager, um, when we were no longer taking lessons. But I love music. I've always loved to listen to music. Music has always been a part of my life. I couldn't study without music. I was the one in my medical office. I had this tiny office and I had um, a little speaker next to me and my, I'd put, plug in my phone and I would listen to music while I worked. I've always done that part of my life. But I didn't think I could do an instrument or participate. Like I said, I'd had the bad experience with the piano. I told this embarrassing story once on another one of my episodes. So I'm going to do it again. My kids who are, as you know, Mandela, I talk about them, but they inspire me so much and I learned so much from them and I continue to. And I guess that's one of the reasons why I enjoy being a mother so much is that I get to experience the world anew from their eyes and then take steps for myself to take care of myself and to explore things. So I took them to see this terrible movie called Hop. I don't know if you remember Hop. James Marsden was human version and it was half people, half half real, half animated kind of. You know what I'm saying? Like he was, the person was walking through, but it was an animated bunny. Well, the bunny played a solo And that was the marketing for this movie. When I saw the bunny play the solo on the commercial, I looked at my girls and I was like, oh, we're going to go see that movie. That was the only reason I wanted to see it. (laughs) I wanted to see the bunny play the drums. And so 
few years later, I walked into that music shop feeling so ridiculous. Because again, it was kids walking in there to take piano and saxophone and, and kids coming in to take drums. And here I am, this adult. And I was just, I just have to do this. I don't know why, but I just got to play drums. A few weeks ago, my mother told me that when I was a kid that I had mentioned wanting to play the drums. Mm. I don't remember that, but apparently it was something that was simmering. Mm-hmm. So I consider myself a professional hobbyist. Mm. I take what I do seriously. I love my drums, but I'm not part of a band mm-hmm. or anything like that. It's just a way for me to be able to be playful, to mm-hmm. learn more about myself, to let certain things go. Because I came at my drums for such a long time with this academic perfectionist mindset, like doing rudiments and I got to get, you know, at this speed and I wasn't having fun for a long time. Now I'm starting to do that. Like I want the instrument to be a place of expression and a place where I can be nice to myself and I can be joyous. So that's where drums fit in my life. And it's, the drums have also allowed me to be more curious, to practice curiosity. My podcast music is me drumming, family members who can sing, who can play um, bass and guitar, uh, my daughter, my niece, um, my brother-in-law, my sister. We have all contributed to the podcast music. So I get to create with this instrument too. Like, I thought your instrument had to look one way. You are in a band or you're in a band on the weekend with some parents or something like that, or you play in church, but I don't have that experience. So how I've found ways to not feel so alone with my kid, to be able to learn ways to express myself and to meet other people. And to meet the teacher I have right now, who has opened up this world of possibility with what my drum kit can be. He's even like encouraging me lately. He said, you don't even have to drum at the kit. You can drum anywhere. You can. Some of the sounds on some of my podcast music is like I was I took my drumstick and I was playing on my wooden vase in the apartment. You know, so it's it's a way for me to be playful because I've been so serious for such a long time. And, you know, we get this one life and it's we don't have to take everything or I don't want to take everything so seriously. I actually do have a great sense of humor. So Mm -hmm. I want to be able to use that, you know, and and feel happier. So thank you for the question. Yeah, absolutely. And, and if I can, I didn't know that you did Taekwondo. And now I'm mm-hmm. like fast, fascinated, like, wait, you're a black, you're a black belt in Taekwondo. Mm-hmm. And it kind of <laughs> just happened because your daughter said, hey, let's, you yeah. know, let's do it. That's, that's incredible. All right, Mendel Conway, my friend, thank you so very much for being here. I look forward to many more conversations with you. Absolutely. I have one last question I ask all of my guests. What is your personal definition of what it means to be healthy? For me, it would be being whole. So it would be mind, body, spirit. It's, it's the whole human. So like, as you said, it's just not what you eat. It's, it's not working out. You know, it's your spiritual life. It's your relationships. It's what you think of yourself, how you talk to yourself, mm-hmm. how you communicate with yourself, your finances, 
everything. It's it's the whole being. Love it. Thank you, Mendel. Thank you, Nadine. I really appreciated spending this time with you. I love the conversation. Thank you. <laughs> lovely woman who would enjoy practicing yoga with us from the comfort of her own home? We foster a peaceful, happy, and safe space in our online yoga classes. Community and relationships matter, so there are no more than 10 women per class. And because we wanted to be a good fit, the first month is free for new students. So what are you waiting for? Join today. Book at npkhealthintegration.com. Hope to see you soon.